Coaching as Benevolence, a podcast for people who are curious about using coaching for self-development. I'm Erin with Roots and Wings Grief and Loss Coaching. And I'm LaShawn with Michelle Sage Place Positive Intelligence Coaching. Hello and welcome. This is our first episode of season two. Our last episode of season one, we reflected on season one with love because it was dropped on Wednesday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. So it just seemed appropriate to talk about our first season because one, Erin talked about this in the recap of season one, that it is a labor of love. This podcast is a labor of love and coaching as benevolence is coming from a place of love as well. So in season two, we are going to continue um, the same format of Erin and I just kind of talking about topics of interest. And we do encourage you in season two, if you have been listening to us for a while, please go ahead and go to our website and submit questions for us. If you have a topic that you would like us to talk about That would be great. We really encourage you in this second season to reach out and let us know what's on your mind because we would love to address topics that you're interested in. Today, we are going to talk about agreement versus expectations. And this comes from a self-development guru. He is um, very well known for his book series on Wealth Warrior And he has a whole inner circle where people go to these workshops and seminars uh, all about his concepts around being a wealth warrior and being prosperous. And one of the things that this person, his name is Steve Chandler, talks about is um, the idea that most relationships are based on two things, expectations or agreements. And he argues that expectations are toxic. And they lead to a lot of conflict and unpleasantness in relationships, whether work-related or personal. And agreements are the antidote to expectations where it's co-created and a healthier way of interacting with other people. So Erin, what comes to your mind when you think of these two concepts, expectation versus agreement? Yeah, I think I am just as an individual swimming in expectations consistently, whether that's societal or from my partner or from myself, from family, friends, um, and more. And the one thing I can control is, you know, my response to those. uh, And then also how I am going about expectation setting with myself as well. And so when I hear the word agreement, it makes so much sense that agreement is a way to offset expectation setting that can lead to unneeded conflict in relationships, in society. And I think agreement requires thoughtful communication between individuals expectations gets us sometimes into assumptions and then nothing is really stated and everything is really unclear, even though someone is trying to have you meet a certain expectation. 
so I think there's a lot there to explore. And I'm so glad you brought this topic forward, LaShawn, um, about expectations and agreements, specifically in relationships. Uh, and we just see them everywhere, right? We see them in the workplace, in um, how we're socialized, you know, in K-12 education, all the way to how we interact with our families. So this topic to me is so broad reaching and one that anybody who's listening can certainly apply to multi facets of their life. And I think that's really cool too, that it can be applied to so many areas of one's life. Uh, so LaShawn, how did the author define, you kind of talked about it, uh, how we go about kind of setting expectations and how we go about setting agreements. Okay, so the author, um, Steve Chandler, talks about, and um, this was a recording that a friend of mine, a coaching friend, shared with me. He's in the inner circle of Steve Chandler's um, Wealth Warriors, and he shared this recording with me. And in the recording, Steve Chandler defines expectation as unspoken. He defines it as not creative, fear-based, cowardly, because the person who has the expectations is putting all of the responsibility on the other person to meet those expectations. The other thing that Steve Chandler talks about, which is really interesting that I didn't even think about before, is that one who goes through life with expectations either feels nothing because people who meet their expectations, hey, you already expected it. There's no surprise there. Or they feel nothing or they're disappointed. They're chronically disappointed because they have these expectations that people are not aware of. And when they don't meet those expectations, because it's all on the other person and there's no self-responsibility there, the person who goes through life interacting with others with expectations either feels nothing or disappointed. So Chandler has a very negative view of expectations. He says it's really the source of disagreements, arguments, uh, low morale in the workplace. And also in personal relationships, it leads to a rift in relationships. It leads to mistrust, sense of betrayal, sense of resentment. Agreement, on the other hand, is co-creative. It's collaborative. Um, it's courageous because you're laying it out on, on, on the table. You're not leaving anything to chance or to the person mind reading. And it's also a way to take responsibility. This is what I want. This is what I need. Let's work together to make this happen. And so that is how um, Steve Chandler defines the two concepts. One of the things that's really interesting to me is the feelings around expectation. And I'd like to explore that. So in your own life, because Erin, you said that you have a lot of expectations or expectations is a part of your experience with interacting with loved ones and others. What are the feelings that you have as someone with expectations and how does it affect the feelings around your relationships or interactions with someone when you go into the interaction with expectations? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think primarily this shows up the most for me with family and it's not fair. It's not fair to the individuals um, and, and, and myself really 
because it, I think one of the things, you know, you said it takes courage. One of the things when it comes to family in people just in your kind of inner circle in your day to day, it can be even more challenging to be vulnerable sometimes, which seems strange. <laughs> uh, and as a result, I think that's when I go back to expectations rather than having brave conversations about agreements. You know, um, it's never fun to engage in a conversation around agreements about things that maybe you don't like or that are not going well. For me, it's a lot more um, helpful and exciting to engage in conversations about what is going well. But if that's all that's being talked about, then I think there's there's a big problem there with um, having agreement around hard expectations that one might have for one another. And it makes sense that we go back to some of these not so healthy coping mechanisms and these familial relationships, because that's where we learned them in the first place with family systems and things like that. Uh, so I'm sitting here thinking, you know, if I want to practice more often agreements, I might not start, you know, with a family member and that's okay. I might start somewhere else in um, who I'm interacting with on a fairly consistent basis. Um, but maybe not too, you know, maybe it does make sense to just jump into those. Uh, but you're talking about a lot of shifts, right? You're talking about behavior change, being more mindful about how you are feeling, uh, having strong communication skills to say things that match the agreement mindset. And that alone is, is very challenging as well. Um, and so there's kind of like this evolution in those areas within oneself that if we can be mindful and, you know, fumble with conversations, but keep having them and keep improving with them, um, we can move to maybe a more agreement. And I can maybe move to a more agreement oriented relationship instead of an expectations relationship with family. And then one other note with that, with young kids is I think it's even more profound that I do that because I, I have certain expectations as a parent that I'm setting for my kids. And I think I might just go back to them and ask them, how does that feel? Are these, are we on the same page with these expectations? You know, what would be more of agreement for you here? Um, and so, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts just around family. That's what's really showing up for me with this particular juxtaposition of uh, expectations and agreement. Um, but we also do it more easily at work because we have visions and values and goals. And we're so used to setting agreements in a work setting and talking about them collaboratively. Uh, so that also, I think, is why it's a little more challenging for me to do in the familial space. Uh, what about you, LaShawn? What were your thoughts and feelings after listening to this interview? Well, um, I, I want to say that I really resonate with what you said about family. And I also especially resonate with the idea of how easy it is to fall back on expectation when you are dealing with family. There's history there. And there's also the family systems. There's the patterns 
that are already in place that feel familiar and feel safe. Because I love how you mentioned vulnerability. It is often difficult to be vulnerable with the people that you spend a lot of your time with and that you have a history with and that have expectations of you and you have expectations of them based on your patterns and based on your history. And it takes for granted that we, we are learning and growing and changing each day. And especially if you're in a long-term relationship, whether it's um, a spousal relationship or with a parent-child relationship um, or even like sibling relationship, we do take for granted that we are dynamic human beings, that we learn and grow and change. And what may have been okay a year ago may not be okay now. And so that's the one thing that Steve Chandler did not touch on in his in that recording that I listened to, where he was talking about the difference between expectation and agreement. It was so black and white. And I think you touched on with the familial um, arena, a gray area, because yes, although we can look at um, expectation as somewhat cowardly, there is some safe feelings around uh, expectation. It, it's, it's a kind of comfort zone in, in a familial situation. So that really resonated with me. When I was listening to the recording, there were things that Steve Chandler talked about in the workplace that were really familiar. Expectations on being on time, expectations around when something is going to get done. So there's this feeling that the, the, the person who, the leader is, is thinking, okay, we're going to get this, this product done, this project done. Uh, this is our deadline. This is our timeline. And there's this, this feeling like, okay, so everybody knows what this means. This means that this, this part of the project needs to be done by this time. However, if it's not all out on the table and it's not an agreement, then on the one hand, you get uh, miscommunication, but you also get like sense of tension because if there's an expectation that something is going to get done a certain way, but there's been no discussion or no um, uh, conversation around the discrete points of this timeline. Yes, we know we need to done. We need it done by Friday. Some people might be like, "Oh yeah, no problem. Friday's not a problem." But then there might be someone in the group who's got something going on, and Friday is like impossible for them. But they can't speak up because there's this expectation that it'll be done by Friday. However, if you turn that around and you say, okay, we want this done by Friday, does that work for the group? Then that person has the space to say, actually, I have this other project that I'm working on and it's taking a lot longer than we thought. Can we move it to Monday or can we move it or can I have somebody help me with this? Then you can work together and you can co-create something as opposed to something being delegated to you or something being demanded of you. It's a very different feeling when you have more power in the decision-making process. Whereas if your leader is saying to you, this needs to be done by Friday, this there's no negotiation or even there's no asking you, hey, can you do it by Friday? It's expected of you to do it by Friday. And if there is 
anything to the contrary, then all of a sudden you become a problem. You become a, a weak point and you don't want your teammates to feel that way. You don't want your, your team to feel like they're weak or that they're holding back progress because then they have no way of expressing how this project is working for them. So that was one thing that I, what resonated with me when um, Steve Chandler was talking about going in and working with leaders in a company where morale was low, where things were happening with production. And they were like, okay, so you got to help us, you know, get morale up. And, he's, and the first thing that he asked them was, okay, so you expected this to be done on Friday. Did you ask the uh, distribution person or the, the factory manager, did you ask that person if they could get it done by Friday? No, you just expected it. And this is where miscommunication comes in. So that's something that resonated with me. The other thing is with agreement, when I think about agreement, especially in the familial sense, and I agree with you with children, when I heard this uh, recording, it was years ago when my children were small. My son was two years old. My daughter was, um, she was like seven years old. So I was able to integrate that into how I talked to my children. And when I was able to sit down with my children and say, okay, so I, you know, I really don't like having toys everywhere. <laughs> you know, um, can we put our toys away at this time? Does that work for you? And so having that uh, tool uh, for talking to my children early on really helped. But I would then argue that I wouldn't let that discourage you if your children are in their teens. You know, just if they're not small and you can't integrate the idea of agreements into the um, your interaction with your teens, there might be resistance or they might look at you like, you're weird, why are you talking to me like this? <laughs> um, it's still worth trying because, again, it's very easy in our relationships to take for granted that we're dynamic, that we change. And if we don't model to our children that we are dynamic and we change and that's okay, then our children are going to go into their lives with expectations. And how is that going to restrict their interactions with the people that they care about? So that comes back to family systems as well. So being able to use these new tactics in your interactions with people that you have a history with is difficult. <laughs> it's challenging, especially when it's adult child with parents, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, that's where it is for me. Like when I think about who, if I'm going to change my interaction with my mother, um, who's my only living parent, um, how do I do that? I'm almost always like, I feel so much more comfortable, even though I know it's not so good. I feel so much more comfortable in expectation space. And the thought of going into agreement space with my mother is scary. And so therein lies the cowardly and courageous of expectation and agreement. How about you, Erin? I love what you're saying about we're dynamic beings and we change. And so we model that for our children. 
And if we stick with a certain thing that's not working with the levels of expectation setting, that just shows that the way of thinking that is modeled to them is rigidity and it should be a certain way. And it doesn't help them gain the flexibility they need to navigate the modern world. Um, and so I think there's something just in the modeling of this with our, you know, our families, our kids that can be powerful and being transparent about what we say when we have these conversations about, you know, agreements and expectations. Um, going back to your mom, that situation, and and it just made me wonder just out of pure curiosity, do we need to always be changing or shifting in certain areas? Uh, you know, I, I tend to align with the philosophy of, you know, work on where you're motivated you know, to work and what feels safe and, and, you know, good to make those incremental changes to then maybe build up to something. And then also recognize, you know, is the conversation necessary or not for one's well-being? And then the other thought that came to me is I really think that agreement and expectations go hand in hand with romantic partner relationships. I think this is a must for healthy relationships in that area. And like you said, we're dynamic and we're constantly changing. So, you know, I would encourage couples to check in with each other on what are your unstated expectations? You know, are those from 10 years ago? And, and what, what is that about? Um, and then, you know, how can you come to more conscious agreements um, in a more humanistic way between one another and I think that takes a lot of time. And it's not just this one-off conversation. These are iterative conversations that you're having with one another. So it's about, you know, I'm just going to say this, putting social media away, <laughs> getting <laughs> off of those phones uh, and really taking the time to have these conversations. Um, and someone might ask, and this is ask, and this has come up before with another person with me. They're like, well, what if I'm just not a good communicator or I'm a person of few words? Well, you know, there are a few things that maybe you could try, right? You could let that person kind of gather their thoughts first, journal for a while, whatever they need to do before coming into the conversation. Maybe you could start with a conversation starter that really opens them up and um, helps them communicate. Uh, so it's not just on that person, um, but it's on both of the individuals to move those conversations forward in a meaningful way with agreements. You know, when we, if you're in, you know, a, a traditional marriage with a marriage license, that sort of thing, um, to me, that doesn't really, even though it's an agreement, it feels more like an expectation in a way. So an agreement is, I think it has to be in its nature, communicative and evolving and not static. That one document is static. Um, so again, I, I can see how this so much applies to partner relationships, um, you know, non-married partners to, you know, whatever arrangement, uh, I think it's invaluable because then it kind of allows you to live a life that's authentic. And I always bring it, I, I often bring things back to authenticity. And I think that's so important. Um, I think that's what we're called here to do and be, um, and so expectations are not authentic at their very nature. Uh, so 
yeah, very, these are all coming to mind in a very relational aspect for me. So I'm curious, you know, what else? You know, what are expectations and agreements outside those personal relationships? And so I'll, I'll punt it back to you, LaShawn, with <laughs> that question. Well, I really, I mean, I it resonates with me what you said about it being really um, important in um, romantic relationships, whether it be with a spouse or otherwise. It it can lead to arguments and the deterioration of the bond between a person. It doesn't necessarily have to be romantic. It can be platonic too. Often we start out in a friendship um, because we have similar interests or we really click. And then we take for granted, again, things that work and things that don't work. We may not have come across each other's boundaries, but when we do at that point, um, if there is any kind of conflict or anything um, really unpleasant or heated, it's not the time to enter into an agreement. <laughs> um, the, the time to enter into an agreement is when both parties feel good and they're in a neutral place. They're enjoying each other's company. And then you could say, hey, you know what? That one time that you put me down in front of our friends, if you're in a romantic relationship, let's say, you have a partner who has a tendency to snap at you or, um, you know, belittle you in front of others. It's important to address it, but the best time to address it would be in a neutral place where you're alone. And when you feel good about each other and your company, you can bring it up and say, so, you know, um, the other day when we had the Joneses over, you said my cooking could be better. And I was just, that hurt me. I felt really embarrassed and bad about my cooking at that time. And I just wonder if, you know, we can work together on an agreement not to put each other down in front of others. And then that not only allows you to have a creative conversation where you're talking about how you're feeling, how they're, what they said, and they may not even have meant it. It could have been like a joke or something and you took it as an insult and you tell your partner, you know, I felt a certain way about that. How can we work together to make this, you know, a pleasant experience when we have company or when we're around others? So you're exploring each other's boundaries. You're, you're giving your partner a chance to um, give you their word to make a promise to you. So that feels a lot better than li living up to this expectation that you have of the partner. Like if you say, I expect my partner to be loving and kind in all expect, you know, all um, situations, then all of a sudden that person has an expectation they have to live up to, as opposed to a promise to keep to you that you co-create. So that was one thing that came up uh, when you were talking about how important it is in loving relationships or in romantic relationships. The other thing that comes up for me um, about expectation and agreement is a, a kind of a self-awareness that we have to, we need in order to approach relationships in a different way. And you also mentioned earlier in what you said that I wanted to touch on as well, 
which is, do we need to make these shifts? You also mentioned like all of the things that are involved in shifting from expectations to agreement that I didn't feel like Chandler really addressed in the recording. He might address that in other places, but in the recording that wasn't really addressed. And I think that's really important to keep in mind when you're thinking, oh, well, maybe I could improve my interactions with so-and-so if I introduced agreements as opposed to just um, feeling disappointed or resentment or do I have expectations? That's another thing. Do you ask, do I have expectations in this relationship? How are these expectations affecting me? How are they affecting the person in the relationship? And how is it affecting the relationship as a whole? And often we can find whether or not we have expectations, because as you said, there's a certain inauthenticity about expectations. When it's unspoken, there it's harder to you know see what's going on in a relationship. Often, if there's resentment, disappointment, feelings of betrayal, uh, let down, that is an indication that there's an expectation somewhere in here. And I also like what you said about like a marriage license or even the vows that we say at uh, when we get married, that they are very static and it doesn't allow for change and um, change in situations, um, change in internal changes. So that's another thing that I also agree with you on with agreement is if you go into a relationship with agreements rather than expectations or more agreements than expectations, you have more space to grow and you have more space to reflect. But if you go into a relationship with mostly expectations, then there isn't a lot of room for growth. So that's one of the things that is coming up for me as well. And then the other question that's coming up for me. And this kind of um, goes against what Steve Chandler said. Is expectation always bad? And I, I wanna put that out there because I, I do wonder about that. Is expectation always bad? Because if you have a kind of understanding like in a familial situation where there are certain expectations and you know what those expectations are, is that a bad thing? And so I want to kind of put that to the listeners and to you. Is expectation always bad? What do you think, Erin? And right even before you were starting to pose that question, you had also shifted the language to, you know, more agreements and less expectation rather than either or. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Like there is still some level of balance there. We can't be only um, agreement focused. I think the struggle with expectations is if we aren't curious about them, where are these coming from? How are they making me feel? Why are they here? You know, these are basic questions that can apply to, yes, the relationships, but to questions about things at the broader scale of society as well, too. So um, I think expectations 
just as we should be evolving. And I don't think they're inherently wrong or consistently wrong. And I think they do help large organizations or, um, you know, a fifth grade basketball team get on the same page <laughs> when it comes to the goals of what is to be accomplished. Now, you know, coming up with agreements as part of those expectations are very important. So I, I don't know if, if uh, expectations can only stand by themselves. I would lean toward that there should be some level of agreement focused work or some level of, you know, human centered conversation going on to uh, ensure there's clarity and um, equity in the conversation and those sorts of things. So I was thinking about this too, in terms of the, going back to the romantic relationship. Yes. I, no matter what, I will have expectations. Like that's something that I don't think I can fully get rid of in our relationship. And I can also ask questions about those and turn those into agreement opportunities or conversational opportunities. Uh, so I don't think, so to, I guess to answer your question, I would say they are necessary, but should be interrogated and not only interrogated because that's important, but also taking it to the next step of change, right? Shifting and making change to them if it's not appropriate anymore. So that's where I go in terms of thinking about that. And then it makes me at, at, ask the other question, you know, when are agreements not necessary? Is there a time that agreements are not necessary? So LaShawn, I'll ask you that question as I think about that question too. Cause I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I have a good good response at this moment or an effective response at this moment. <laughs> it's really a good question because one of the things that I started doing, I think I take things too literally, but one of the things that I started doing after I listened to that recording is I um applied it to my friend relationships, my relationships with my kids, my um, marriage. Like I, I wanted to shift the expectations to agreements because I was like, okay, I totally agree with this guy. I, I really think I should just go through life with no expectations and only just have agreements. And so let me tell you what happened when I did that. First of all, <laughs> people don't talk like that. They do not talk like that. So I would like have a conversation with a friend. Okay. And um, I would use the same kind of role-playing language that um, Steve Chandler had in his recording, I would be like, well, this is what works for me, what works for you. And almost always I would get this response from people like, what planet are you from? <laughs> like, what are you trying to say? And that could just be the awkwardness of trying something new. It could also be that it's really easy when you take a tool from coaching and you apply it to real life, for lack of a better word, you sound really scripted or inauthentic. It's not natural. It's, it's a shift. And then most people, when you are met with change in anything, are going to resist it. They're going to be like, whoa, what's going on here? And so to answer your question, I think 
if things are going smoothly and there's a kind of unspoken understanding that this works, then I think that it's not necessary to start bringing in agreements and having that conversation about, can we agree to this? Or, And then if you could just have maybe the spirit of agreement where you're not actually directly discussing agreement. For example, if you have a friend who shows up for, um, you know, things that you do late and that kind of bothers you, you might just say, hey, you know, is is this is this hour not working for you? Um, is there something we can do differently? Because I really don't like being late or something like that, where it's not like, let's come up with an agreement together where we we can uh, do coffee and it will it won't be me waiting for you for 10, 20 minutes while, you know, I could be doing something else when we could just move the coffee date to one thirty instead of one o'clock. If you show up at one twenty, one thirty, then you'll show up at like two, whatever, you know, so that you can like, like lightheartedly talk about it, but where you are not necessarily coming up with an agreement, but you're expressing how you feel, but not in a blamey way. You're not saying, you know, you're always late. That's really a problem. <laughs> Rather than I really like being on time. What's going on? Basically, just curious about what's causing that person to show up at 1.30 when you said we were going to meet at one o'clock. So that is a maybe another way where agreements is an agreement, but it's not a, an explicit agreement. <laughs> maybe I'm saying in, in that way. Hey. Add something but to that it's example. still an agreement, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, please do. Please do. I think it's such an important example because it comes up in a lot of conversations. And I think you're highlighting something else that's going on here, that there is, um, there's not necessarily an, uh, an agreement. There might be different expectations, but really at the root of that are assumptions. And assumptions are what really get us into trouble because our assumptions are often inaccurate. Even if we are highly intuitive or think something else is really going on, I, assumptions can get us into some really tricky places. So all the strategies you were just talking about, LaShawn, are so good, not only for you know expectations, but also hedging assumptions. So I just wanted to add that piece in there because I thought it was a really good example. No, that is such a good point, because I think that's what it is. I think when Steve Chandler was talking about expectations, he was really talking about assumptions. And it wasn't until you said that word that it just like clicked in my head. That's it. He's talking about assumptions. So are assumptions ever good? No, they're not. Expectations, on the other hand, can be good. Um, and I think that expectations are kind of a natural way of entering into any relationship situation with an idea of how you want something to be. And I, I agree with taking expectations lightly, not letting them kind of lead or dominate your interaction, but recognize that you do have expectations. I think that's a human trait. Expectations are a human trait. You go into a relationship, you go into a situation with an idea of how you think it's going to play out or how you'd like it to play out. And to be aware, okay, I'm coming into this with expectations. It's just like with biases, like do you have biases? And those are important to keep in mind 
knowing that that's part of your experience, as part of how you're going to interact as a human being, but not allowing it to dictate your your interaction. So I'm really glad you brought that word up because I think that's what why it was so difficult for me to really to really see expectations as bad because it's not the expectations, it's assumptions. And I'm really glad that that you you brought that into the conversation because I think that was a missing piece. It was like one of those invisible concepts that didn't have a a word for it because it wasn't expectations, it's assumptions that are really the toxic element of what we're talking about here. Yeah. And you started off with some other kind of factors with expectations um, and the kind of difficulties or wrongs of them uh, that kind of we're talking more about one's feelings. And then, you know, we have assumptions. I'm curious that there's other words to nuance expectations when they're not working well and when they are working well. So expectations that are working well are probably clear and stated and understood between individuals. I think expectations when they're working well, there is the least amount of a power dynamic as possible. And there's more of an equity to the expectation itself and the conversation itself. Um, So those are just examples that come to my mind when expectations are potentially going well. When expectations are going not going well, there's assumptions, they're forced, they're putting one's morality or, or lens on the world, on others, um, in a way that is um, not helpful. Um, so those are just things that I'm thinking of now, like the nuance of the word expectations. And then, uh, LaShawn, do you have any other words to add to, you know, expectations? One thing that I would say, and you, when you were talking about assumptions, expectations, agreements, respect, I think is key. I think that goes into the power dynamic as well, because if there's respect in the equation, then you're already going to afford that person the benefit of the doubt. You're not going to enter into an interaction with assumptions because you respect the person. And to me, respect is recognizing that my needs are not any less or more important than your needs. And it's a uh, mutual feeling that we are going to work together to help each other, you know, meet our needs in this interaction. And that can be spoken or unspoken. I think with respect, I think that's more of a unspoken thing because I, we know that we're respected or we feel respected based on how people treat us. If somebody yells at me, I know they don't respect me. If someone makes assumptions about me, I know they don't respect me. If someone expects things of me without making that clear, I know they don't respect me and vice versa. Someone speaks to me kindly, I know they respect me. When someone asks me my opinion, I know they respect me. And so I think respect is key in the equation when it comes to expectations or agreements. And I think where respect is lacking, that's where assumptions come in. That's where resentment, disappointment, and those unpleasant feelings come in. Yeah, so respect is one of the roots to 
expectations and agreements. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're at that moment of our coaching nugget of wisdom. So I'm going to challenge the listeners to pick a relationship in which they would like to first reflect on and consider how they can move into a space of more agreement and healthy expectations if they feel that it's lacking. And if they don't feel that's lacking, still have that reflection and conversation because the other person may feel that some of those things are lacking as well. So um, that's my negative wisdom. I'd love to hear how it goes for people. LaShawn, what about you? Along those lines, I would just do an inventory of where you have expectations, healthy or otherwise, assumptions, and also where you would see respect in those interactions. Do you see respect reflecting in um, situations and relationships where agreements are more prevalent than expectations or uh, assumptions? And just kind of do an inventory, again, non-judgmental, just observing, curious, where do I have expectations in my life? Where do I have agreements? And what are the feelings around those situations and relationships? Thanks for joining us for Coaching as Benevolence. I'm LaShawn with Michelle Sage Place, Positive Intelligence Coaching. And I'm Erin with Roots and Wings, Brief and Moss Coaching. Have a benevolent day.